Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Let's get some happy people in church. I prefer to go to church with happy people. I've been to church with people that were sad and people that were mad, and I prefer to go to church with people that are happy. Amen. You better get happy this morning. Is everybody getting happy? Look at your neighbor and just tell them, get your happy on. You need to get your happy on. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So we just got to get happy. We're glad that you're here and um, grateful for God's presence and what God's doing in your life and in our church and in this season. And uh, appreciate Pastor Songo and, and the worship team. And we just know that God's just continuing to speak to us in this season. I want to just kind of continue um, the conversation, the teaching that we've been having along ideas around re. And so if you grab your Bibles or get ready, if, even if you're going to look at them on the screen, just grab your Bibles, grab something to write a couple notes down. I want to walk through some scriptures with you this morning and, and try to bring out some things that I think will really be helpful to you. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54, and verse number 11, and we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 3, and they'll put both those on the screen for you. But this morning, I'm going to continue this series and talk about reconstruction, reconstruction, and I want to talk about the right materials for a rebuild, the right materials for a rebuild. I'm going to try to make sense of that in just a moment. But let's look at Isaiah 54 and verse number 11 and just read together. Isaiah writes and he says, Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. Just that phrase right there, I think, speaks so much to what so many people have been through. Uh, Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. And this is what God says, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. And if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Amen. That's a good promise. Amen. Push it. Yeah, I'm getting some help here from the sound people. They're trying to help me help you. Is that good? Is that better? Amen. Thank you, Luther. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read a good bit of Scripture this morning before we start. It won't hurt you. It's good for you. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 9. Paul says, For we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You are God's building. I want you to look at your neighbor and just look, look at him in the eye and tell him, say, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one, everybody say each one, take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will have a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So Paul's trying to get the Corinthians to understand that when we talk about God building, when we talk about God reconstructing, when we talk about God building his house or his temple, Paul wants to emphasize to them, make sure they don't forget, it's easy to lose sight of, this is about you and your life. And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us this morning, but we're going to talk about reconstruction today. Why don't you just pray with me right now and ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to you over these next few minutes. Lord, we thank you for your love, your goodness, and your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that we are find ourselves in a moment that has opportunity for us to rebuild some things. And we ask you to speak to each one of us about what that means for our lives. As we open up your scriptures today, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, would you illumine and breathe life into each one that's listening to me in this building and online. We pray for your life-giving spirit to breathe on your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was reading this passage in Isaiah this week, and it just began to speak to me about the moment that we're living in. Isaiah is talking to a people who have been through a storm, who feel like their city has been ravished and afflicted. It's been through a lot of destruction and loss. And Isaiah announces God's promise to us that when we go through a storm, God is always willing to engage in a rebuilding process. Some of you may have lived long enough to know that when you get on the other side of a storm, you often get the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding that the storm that I thought was the worst thing to happen to me, actually in turn, it looks like it might have been the best thing to happen to me. 
And when we walk with God, one of the things that we have to remember is that if we're walking with God and we go through a storm, sometimes storms bring loss. But what we have to remember is that anything I lost in the storm is not necessary for where God's taking me. And if I lost anything in the storm that's necessary for God's purpose for my life, then God's promise is I'll rebuild everything that is necessary for your future and for your purpose. When you go through a storm, a lot of times you, you are emotionally attached to things that are different after the storm is over. But one of the things we have to let sink deep into our spirit is that I can't be emotionally attached to things that may come and go. I have to let my emotional attachment be to Jesus as the foundation of my life. That was a good place to say amen. So Jesus comes along and talks about if anyone hears these words of mine and does them, then he will be like a man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains will come and the winds will blow, but the house will stand. And if anyone hears these words of mine and does not do them, then he is like one who built his house upon sand. The rains come, the wind blows, but the house does not stand. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, if anyone prays a prayer and goes to church semi-regularly, then he will be like a a man who built his house upon a rock. Jesus said, if anyone hears these teachings of mine and does them, if the people do them, if they act upon it, and here's what I found out, is that a lot of us believe in Jesus. That's good. I want you to believe in Jesus. I just don't want you to stop there because a lot of people believe in Jesus. They just don't believe in Jesus' ideas. I believe in Jesus because he's this guy that lived 2,000 years ago. He was crucified, and the Bible tells me that his death on a cross provided forgiveness for my sins and gives me a relationship with God, and I believe in Jesus. But here's the real question is, do you believe in Jesus' ideas? Do you believe in the way that Jesus says the world is supposed to work? Do you believe in Jesus' teachings about how we are to conduct our lives in the world? See, it's one thing to believe in Jesus, but it's a really another thing to believe in turn the other cheek. I ain't getting no amens at the gate church this morning. So it's, it's easy for me to go, I believe in Jesus because Jesus is a principle that's represented in the death, burial, resurrection, in the cross, in the blood, in forgiveness, in new creation. And we can shout about what Jesus means, but Jesus was also interested in wondering if we really believe in his ideas, in the way he is calling us to live in the world. And when I transfer my belief from only believing in Jesus to actually taking him at his word, Jesus looked at a group of people in the Gospel of John who were wondering if what Jesus was teaching was true. And he said this to them. He said, you'll know my teaching is of God whenever you do what I'm telling you to do. 
So Jesus said, you can't figure out whether it's from God and then say, oh, okay, it's from God, so therefore I'm going to do it. Jesus said, the only offer I'm giving you is to take me at my word, even though it doesn't make sense, and then you'll know whether my teaching is of God or not. So it's like Jesus and Peter on the boat. Peter doesn't get to go, Jesus, if it's you, then bid me to come walk on the water with you. And he doesn't get to figure out for sure who Jesus is or whether Jesus can actually do this. All Jesus says to Peter is come. So Peter, the only way that Peter is going to be able to figure out is Jesus really the Son of God, is by acting on the word that Jesus spoke to him and stepping out of the boat. He'll never know whether it's possible until he steps out of the boat. But when he steps out of the boat and puts his foot on the water, then he finds out Jesus is from God. Jesus' teaching is from God. Jesus' way of doing life is from God. And the reason that that's so important is because Jesus is calling us to live in the Jesus way. And that means that we are willing to lay our life down for the truth. We're willing to lay our life down for other people. And if you don't believe in the one who has resurrection power, you'll never really be able to live your life in a way that includes you sacrificially laying your life down. You see, when you actually believe that Jesus is the one with resurrection life, then you don't mind laying your life down because you know that you belong to one who can always raise you up. Y'all doing all right this morning? So anytime we've gone through a storm like the people in Isaiah, it takes faith Watch this. It takes faith to engage with God in God's rebuilding project. Because according to Isaiah, God is very picky about the materials that he goes about building with. So anytime you've been through a storm, you want to, everybody wants to rebuild because things are knocked down. There's shingles off the roof. There's walls that are knocked down. There's water in the floor. The foundation is soaked. And so everyone wants to rebuild. But this passage gives us an indication. It gives us an insight into the type of thinker and builder that God is. And what God doesn't do is he doesn't say, how fast can we build this back? He doesn't say, how quickly can we move? He doesn't say, how fast can we? No, God takes his time and he says, I want to rebuild those walls, but I only want to do it with a certain kind of stone. And I want to put that foundation back, but I only want to use a certain kind of stone. And if you don't get the right building materials, then God's not interested in rebuilding. Am I doing okay? So if God is your general, if the Holy Spirit is the general contractor of the reconstruction project of your life, then you are not going to be able to just run down to Home Depot and buy whatever it is you want and tell the Holy Spirit, here, work with this. The Holy Spirit's going to say, I don't work with that because I only build things to last. I only build things for eternity. And if you think that storm was something, there's eventually going to come a fire to your life and I want you to endure the fire. And in order to endure the fire, you're going to have to construct your life around things that can endure a fire. 
Wood, hay, and stubble can't make it through a fire. But gold, silver, and precious stones can. I remember I was reminded of a story many years ago that when I was traveling with Bishop, Bishop shared, he liked to share stories about when he was in other countries. And he shared this story. He didn't share it very often, but he shared it a few times, and it it was so powerful uh, when I heard him talk about it. He, He talked about a time when he was in India. And he wanted to go shopping in India because there were certain uh, types of jewelry and bracelets that were only available in India, and, and you could get a really good deal on them. And so if you knew Bishop, like he just loved to do that. He would go and preach. And then he went to the market with a translator, and they went to a jeweler in India. And so Bishop um, had a way of going about this, and it was always uh, it was always quite entertaining. But he went with the translator to the the shop owner, and he he had the owner there, and they were speaking through translation. And Bishop says to the the translator, he says, "You just make sure that he understands that I want the best. I, I'm going to buy a bangle bracelet, and I want the best bracelet that he has." And so there were lots of bracelets out in a display case, and many of them were beautiful, and, and they had different, you know, ornaments on them, and Bishop was impressed with this display, and he says, but you make sure he understands, I want the best. And so the translator's listening to Bishop, and he's telling the shop owner, he says, he wants the best. And so this translation goes through, and then the shop owner opens up the drawer. He doesn't go to the showcase where all of the bracelets that are are shining and sparkling under the lights. He opens up the drawer and he pulls out a bangle bracelet, but it's dingy and it's not shiny. And he pulls it out and he sets it on the top of the display case. And he says in, in, the, in the language, uh, not English, he says to the translator, he says, if he wants the best, and he puts it on the table. And when Bishop sees the dingy bracelet that he pulled out and set on the showcase, Bishop says back to the translator, he says, you must not have understood. I told you to tell him I want the best. And when he says that, the shop owner does away with the translation and speaks back to Bishop in English, in broken English. And he says, you Americans, you are always interested in the shiny, but you do not understand that the true value is never found in the shiny, it's only found in the weighty. And you can just imagine Bishop telling this story and his humble moment, realizing that the shop owner spoke English and that he was being a typical American who wanted something that shined but didn't understand the true value is found in the weighty. And I think that that is indicative of where we are as a church. And I believe that one of the things that God is saying to us as a people is that it is time for us to stop being enamored by the shiny, and we need to begin pursuing the weighty in our life. 
that the culture that we live in is enamored with the shiny, with the impressive, and with the quick, but we don't need Christianity in the day in which we live that is a, a version of cosmetic jewelry that looks good and sparkles under a light. We need something that has been dug up from the earth that has real value, that has real weight to it, and can really last. And I believe this morning that I want to suggest to you that out of Isaiah, God is offering to those of you listening to my voice at the Gate Church that He would like to enter into an exchange with you, that if we'll bring God our shiny and say, God, I'm done with this, then God says, I'll give you some weighty and we can rebuild your life together. So I want to talk to you this morning about moving from the shiny to the weighty and getting the right materials for constructing and reconstructing our lives. Almost every person that I talk to about this season and this moment of their life can identify in some form or fashion in, into uh, the, uh, the feeling that we are in the midst of a rebuild. We're rebuilding. We are. And, and so I want you to not um, let the frustration of that moment uh, blind you to the opportunity of that moment. You see, I have some friends in the church here. I have friends outside of the church here, but they do construction work, and they are contractors. And so what a good contractor will tell you is that anytime you find yourself in need of a rebuild, you are also in that moment, you are in a moment that is full of opportunity. In other words, if you ever wanted to get your kitchen redone, you'll never have a better opportunity to do that than if you are in need of a rebuild because of something you've been through. Because while you're in the process of repairing things, that is the moment to take things down that don't need to be there anymore and replace them with things. And so I believe that we're spiritually in a moment of opportunity that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't miss this opportunity to tear down anything in your life that didn't need to be there anyway. And if anything needs replacing right now, let's do it while the place is a mess. Let's do it while there's dust all over the furniture. This is the moment to bring renovation. This is the moment to bring reconstruction to our lives. And if we'll pay attention, the Holy Spirit wants to bring some new building materials into our lives. Are you with me this morning? So what does it look like to move from the shiny to the weighty? I'm just going to give you uh, quite a few examples. Now, there's some easy examples that we could, we could, uh, we could refer to this morning, but I'm not going to give you the easy ones. I'm going to let you and the Holy Spirit figure out the easy ones for your life. You can do that on your own. And I believe I'm praying that this, meet, this message this morning just preaches to you all week long. So that all week long you're finding every, every, day, every day that you go through or go about your life, you're discovering the Holy Spirit's just kind of continually whispering to you about the shiny things in your life and how you can replace them with the weighty things. Because I believe that Isaiah is telling us God's desire is to rebuild our life and to rebuild it better. Amen. But you got to be patient with the building process. So here's a couple of shifts. We'll start with an easy one. One of the easy ones is that when we think about rebuilding our life in church, we want to move from the shininess of attendance 
to the weightiness of discipleship. You see, you know that you're living in shiny church when you assess your life based on, well, at least I made it to church. I'm semi-regular, I'm really regular, and your life is measured just by the fact that you go to a building once a week and you attend church. That's wonderful. I think attending church is important. Let me go on the record for that. But if that's where you stop, that's shiny Christianity. What God wants in your life is not an attendance record. God wants transformation. And transformation doesn't come just by showing up. Transformation comes by being discipled. Are you with me? So that means that I'm diving deep into the kinds of relationships that form and challenge and shape me. I'm listening to things. I'm looking to grow into more of who Christ has called me to be. I'm not just going to live my life based on attendance, but I'm going to shift into discipleship. That means that we're going to shift from activity to fruit. From activity to fruit. See, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the, the shiny things of our culture. And if you talk to people, and I've been convicted of this myself, so I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. But if you talk to people and you say, how are you doing? If you talk to people in our culture, one of the most common answers you'll get is they'll say, I'm doing good, but I'm busy. Well, I'm busy. I'm just busy. And that's sort of like a badge of honor in our culture, that I'm doing good and I'm really busy. And I never see in the Scriptures any time that God or Jesus is is judging how well we're doing by how busy we are. In fact, it's one of the most fascinating things about the life of Jesus in the Gospels that one of the things that Jesus never is, is busy. I don't find Jesus busy, and I find Jesus being productive. I find him being fruitful. I find him changing people's lives. But he's on his way to a man's house whose daughter has just died, but he stops in the road because there's a woman with an issue of blood who's grabbing a hold of his garment, and he doesn't say, don't you understand? I'm very busy right now. There's a dead girl down the road here that I've got to get to. No, no, no. Jesus. Jesus' life is not driven by busyness. Jesus' life is led by the Spirit. And so I want to tell you that activity can produce money, and activity can make noise, but activity doesn't necessarily produce fruit. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the way you evaluate your day, the way you evaluate your week, the way you evaluate your daily routine ought not to be how busy was I, how productive was I, how efficient was I. Why don't you look in the mirror and look at your schedule and look at every meeting and say, how fruitful was I? How much love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control was a result of my daily activities? I'm glad I got the quarter one reports done for my boss. I'm glad that I had a good month in sales. But the real question of my life, the shiny things don't matter. What really matters is the weightiness of how fruitful I was as a follower of Jesus. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Amen. I don't want to just make noise and just make money. I want to live a fruitful life. One of the other ways that we shift, and it has to do with activity and fruit, is that we shift from the shininess of complexity to the weightiness of simplicity. Jesus' life was simple. And so 
I, I don't know if you know this or not, but your life does not drift toward simplicity. Maybe I'll just illustrate that for you. How many of you have ever gotten married? Just raise your hand if you've ever been married in your life. I want you to think about the day before you got married, and I want you to think about how much stuff you had the day before you got married. Like if you packed all your stuff up, how, how hard would it be for you to move from one location to another? And the answer for most men for sure is that you just give us like a medium-sized U-Haul trailer, we're good to go. But life doesn't drift toward simplicity. Life drifts toward complexity. Now you need three Penske trucks and an extra pickup truck from your buddy to get all your stuff to wherever you want it to go. What happened? Your life just drift. You didn't try. You didn't say, hey, we got married. We had a kid. Let's see much, how much stuff we can accumulate in the garage. Let's just collect. No, you didn't even try. It just drifts toward complexity because life doesn't drift toward simplicity. Life drifts toward complexity. And we have to intentionalize living our lives in ways that are simple. Amen. Amen. Just keep on loving me because I'm not finished yet. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. We want to move from the shininess of purpose-driven to the weightiness of spirit-led. Now, I want to say something. I know that there's a book called The Purpose Driven Life, and I think that's a good book, and it was a good book for its time. But I'm just simply suggesting that we might be able to do better than purpose driven. The thing I don't like about purpose driven is the word driven. I want to be in purpose. I'm just tired of being driven. Y'all doing all right? You know what's interesting in Scripture, I was meditating on this this week, and the Lord just began to speak to me, but the, the people and the things that drive us are like Pharaoh is a driver, you know, uh, emperor kings are drivers, slave owners are drivers. Those are the things that drive, and, and what God never allows the word drive to be uh, descriptive of God's activity in our life, because God does not drive us, God leads us. So I want to say it to you like this. I want them to put this on the screen if they will, because I sent it to them, because I want you to notice something. If you're being driven it's a little g God that's driving you. The Spirit of God will always lead you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me beside still waters. How does the shepherd lead you? He doesn't drive you. And so, if we get caught up in the rat race of life and we're being driven by results, we're being driven by pressure, we're being driven by ambition, we're being driven by financial gain, we're being driven by competing with our neighbors, all of those are little G gods, and they will crack that whip, and they will work you until you are exhausted, and you've got nothing else to lift, and then they will crack that whip over you again and again. But that's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is leading you into places of fruitfulness and life, and God wants to deliver us from the Pharaohs of our life that offer us shiny nonsense that have no weight to it whatsoever, and He wants to say, 
Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come from me, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now listen, I'm not telling you that you can't be successful and you can't be, you can't be efficient and proficient in what you're called to do, but God wants to put grace on that so that the rhythm of your life is a rhythm of being led, not a rhythm of being driven. Can you say amen to that? Some of us, God wants to deliver out of the shininess of battling and fighting into the weightiness of harvesting. Some of us are addicted to the battle. Some of us are addicted to fighting. Some of us are addicted to the adrenaline that comes with feeling like we've taken ground or defeated someone. But I want to give you some revelation this morning. I want to tell you that uh, God has actually not called us to fight the culture. God has called us to create an alternative to the culture. So rather than constantly looking to pick a fight with the culture that you're a part of, what you need to be doing is fostering the creation of kingdom culture in your own life so that it becomes an enigma and a mystery and something that is a compelling reflection of something that is holy and otherworldly so that the culture that you're a part of is confounded by the way that Jesus is making your life beautiful. Can you say amen to that? Even if you don't agree with it, just say amen, just to be happy, amen. So God is shifting us from dividing to reconciling. He's shifting us from reaction to contemplation. He is shifting us from winning battles to bearing witness. I had a conversation uh, last year with someone. I was doing a leadership retreat for a group of leaders, and I'm just going to use this as an illustration this morning. Um, so don't read too much into it, but I think it will be helpful to you. I had a conversation with a leader, and he was um, a, a fantastic gentleman and uh, just loved Jesus. And he was sharing with me the last few years of his life, and he felt that God had called him to run for office in the local arena that he was in. And so he ran for office, and he did all the things that you do when you run for office. He, he got a, a campaign. He raised money. He did the thing, and, and he was he was pretty successful. But when it came to election day, um, he lost the election by just a handful of votes. And he was just sharing with me how painstaking that was because he felt God had called him to do this and he felt like he had failed and he had lost and the other guy had won and it was just terrible. And I was just having this conversation with him at lunch after I taught some leadership. And I said to him, and I felt like the Holy Spirit really just helped me. I said to him, I said, well, you're judging how well you did by the outcome of the election. But what if God is judging how well you did, not by whether you won or lost, but how well you faithfully represented Jesus. And sometimes I think we judge our successfulness based on how the world defines success, but God judges our successfulness based on how well we represent Jesus. Because see, I want to say something to you. You can win the battle, but you lost the war if you didn't represent Jesus in how you won the battle. 
I'm going to get right down into somebody's marriage right now and say, you can win the argument, but everybody knows you might lose the war if you don't represent Jesus in how you go about it. And so this guy looked back at me and he said, what did you just say? And I said, I'm saying to you that God is more interested in how well you represent Jesus when you run for office or you do your job than he is the outcome of whatever you did. And he started crying at the lunch table and he said, I've never thought of it that way. I can't believe I've been so consumed with how the political world defines winning and losing that I lost sight of the fact that I'm supposed to be representing Jesus in this arena. And I said, well, praise the Lord, brother, because you just got set free. All you've got to do is remind people and reflect Jesus everywhere you go. And I promise you, Jesus can get you at the top of a pole. He can get you promoted on your job. He can do anything. He can get you where he wants you to be. But he wants to make sure you're building with the right stuff. And if you're building with a bunch of cubic zirconia trying to win a race or get promoted on your job, then Jesus is happy to sit back in his throne and be as patient as he needs to be until you find out all that energy is not worth spending if you're not building with the right stuff. And sometimes when we go through a storm, it's an opportunity for us to reflect and say, okay, God, I've been busy about the business of building my life, but maybe I need to invite you into the building process with me. You see, I think that the Big C Church needs to make some shifts from the shiny to the weighty. We need to make shifts that are from the hurried, the shininess of hurried to the weightiness of holy. We need to make some shifts from consumer Christianity to kingdom Christianity. We need to make some shifts from just using Jesus as our Savior to following Jesus as our Lord. We need to make some shifts out of church from everything being practical and understanding what it means to be sacramental. How many of you know that I want you to have practical ways of doing well in life, but there's nothing practical about bread and wine? When we have communion on Sunday, there's nothing practical. You don't even get you, it don't even, it don't even stave off a hunger pain. It doesn't quench thirst. I mean, it's not even a shot glass. Like, it is enough just to make you think, wow, some grape juice sure would be good right now. Because the purpose of it is not to be practical. The purpose of it is to be sacramental, is to get us to enter into the holy, to get us to enter into the presence of God, to get us to enter into sustenance that comes from heaven, not from a dinner plate. And if we will engage in the holy and the sacramental, then God says, if you seek me first and seek my kingdom, then all those other practical things that you're worried about, I'll add them to your life. But you've got to get the holy right first. Church isn't supposed to be practical. Amen. We need to shift from modern distractions to ancient practices. Amen. 
the Big C Church, and I'm just talking out loud now for everybody to listen. We'll get to something that's a little more personal for you in just a minute. But maybe we need to shift from the shininess of building big churches to the weightiness of building beautiful communities. I said we might need to shift from the shininess of building big churches to the weightiness of building big communities. You know, when God told people to build things for him in the Old Testament, he, he, he was like a tent or a temple, somewhere that God wanted to live. It's interesting that God never really focused on how efficient or how effective or how, you know, but what God did want to make sure was that it was beautiful. And, and I, was, I was meditating on these scriptures, and Paul said to the church, you are that temple. Can I tell you that God is interested in building something beautiful out of your life? And can I tell you that I don't want you to hear the word perfect when I say the word beautiful? Because you can be broken and beautiful. You can be in process and beautiful. You can still be a mess, but still be beautiful. You can still be broken and bound in sin, but still be beautiful. Because every day you're giving yourself over to the one who takes your mess and takes your chaos. And sometimes when people see your brokenness, they actually opens up the way for them to see your beauty. But what God is doing with your life is he's waiting on you to say, God, I want your weighty precious stones to be the foundation and the walls and the gates of my city. I want my life to be beautiful. And even if it means all the ugly parts of my old story, you take them in a way that makes them beautiful. That's what God is after. He doesn't care how big you are. He doesn't care how successful you are. He doesn't care how wealthy you are. He doesn't care how famous you are. But he is bound and determined to make you beautiful in the earth. And so we embrace the call of what the Bible calls the beauty of holiness the beauty of otherness. There's something about us as the people of God that need to embrace the identity that we are to embody something that is from another world. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come on back up if you guys will. Somebody start playing that keyboard. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants to I don't know who this is for. I don't know what it means. I'm going to let you figure that out. I'm going to try to, I'm not, I really intentionalized this message to stop from telling, to filling in the blanks for you. I'm leaving blanks in this message open for you and the Holy Spirit to fill in. But here's what I know. God wants to take your shiny and he wants to replace it with his weighty. And we've all got things in our life. Here's the trouble with the shiny is that we get emotionally attached to it. Sometimes our identity gets tied up in the shiny. You know what the shiny is? The shiny is what you, make, what you keep trying to make everybody else believe about you. The shiny is your fake social media self. That's the shiny. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever it is, that image that you try to put out on social media or you try to put out to your friends and talk about, that's the shiny. And I'm not telling you, listen, there's a difference between, listen to me, there's a difference between transparency and exposing yourself. 
There's a difference between transparency and oversharing. Transparency just says, I don't have it all together. I don't know what y'all think about me, but I'm a work in progress and God's making something beautiful in my life. You don't have to tell everybody every little thing about yourself, but what you do have to do is dispatch with all that falseness, dispatch with all that fakeness, dispatch with all that stuff that you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and make yourself look a kind of way. God says, I can't build with that. You're going to stay demolished. You're going to stay in a state of deconstruction. You are going to stay in a state, and I'll let you sit there in the studs all the way down to the foundation for as long as you need to. This is literally what Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel. How long do you want to sit there? in your afflicted, wasted city, because I've been standing over here on the sideline wanting to do a rebuild project with you, but I need you to give me the right materials. You know what God didn't do? God didn't go get the precious stones. God didn't go get the gold. God didn't go get the silver. God, God didn't go get the sapphire. God don't get, you, know, you know what God says to his people? He says, I'll do the building, but you got to do the mining. You got to go get it. You got to go up the mountain. You got to go dig it out. You got to go start doing something with your life that puts the right things in your hands so that the Holy Spirit can begin the process of reconstructing and rebuilding. And so I'm going to fill these blanks in and then we're done. Very simply, it's really... It's really more simple than I could ever communicate to you, but here's some mining that you're going to have to do in order to exchange our cosmetic jewelry for God's precious stones. We're going to have to be willing to do some mining. So three things I'm going to tell you this morning. I could tell you 15 if I wanted to. I'm just going to tell you three simple ones just to get you started. Number one, we're going to have to get back to mining the scriptures. We're going to have to get back to mining the Scriptures. You can write these down. They're not going to have them on the screen. Mining the Scriptures. Number two, we're going to have to mine the life and the example and the teachings of Jesus. I cannot express to you how strongly the Holy Spirit is emphasizing this to me in this moment. It is absolutely mind-boggling how easy it is right now to be a Christian without taking Jesus seriously. And I want to challenge you, I want the Holy Spirit to challenge you and me to say, I've got to start taking what Jesus said seriously. I don't want Jesus to be a transactional contract that the cross does something for me, but I want that man who lived 2,000 years ago and walked the streets of Galilee and taught some lessons, I want that man to be the thing that I build my life around. That man, that one who was in Galilee telling them stories and raising the dead, that's the guy. It's called the scandal of particularity. There was a man in Judea in 30 AD talking about sheep and seed and leaven. And that is the man that we are building our life on. And it's the man whose teachings we build our life around. So we've got to mind the life and the teachings of Jesus. And we've got to come back to the foundation. Paul said, there's no other foundation that you can lay. There's no other foundation you can build on. And the reason he was saying it is it's easy to be tempted 
to build our life on other foundations. And, and then what we do is we're standing on a different foundation, but we're just calling Jesus and adding him to our life. But Paul said, Jesus is not like the bedroom wall of your house. You can't make Jesus the shingles. You can't make him the window seal. You can't make him the front door. You can't make him the driveway. The only place that Jesus fits in your life is on the foundation. And if you're not on the right foundation, your house might be pretty, but it ain't going to last. And so I believe the Holy Spirit with lots of grace. I want you to feel lots of grace today. Because all that Isaiah is doing and all that Paul is doing is just saying, you know what? If you're off course, all God wants to do is to get into reconstruction with you. If you've gotten off track, God just is inviting you back to the foundation. The third thing that you need to mind. Number one, you need to mind the scriptures. Number two, you need to mind Jesus. Number three, you need to mine life-giving relationships in your life. You need to find somebody that you know every time I'm with them, I know I've been with Jesus. And you need to dive deep into that relationship. And you need to say, I want you to help me. I want to open my life up to you. I want, I want to learn from you. I want to receive from you. Everybody needs that in your life. I'm telling you, I've got that in my life. I want you to have it in your life. It's so important. And if we'll start mining the scriptures, and we'll start taking Jesus seriously, and we'll start mining the right relationships in our life, I promise you, you'll find yourself with some of the precious stones that begin to show up in your life. And you'll say, God, look what I found. And he'll say, let's build with that. We can do something with that. This can be a time of reconstruction in all of our lives. So I want you to stand to your feet with me all over the building. Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus right now. Let's just center on him. Let's just thank him for his grace right now. Listen, when you preach a message like this, the worst thing that could happen is for you to allow any voice of condemnation to start talking to you about all the things you're not doing right. That's not the voice. That's the driver. That's the little G God. The voice of the shepherd is leading you right now. He's saying, come follow me and we can make it right. There's no condemnation. Jesus is calling you with grace right now. So come on, let's just recommit our hearts. Let's recommit our lives right now now. Let's lift our voices.
our prayer teams just to come down front I want somebody I want everybody to do this with me and then we'll release those of you that need to go but I just feel like there's a way in which every single one of us needs to respond this morning if you're online I want to invite you to respond I'm just simply going to lead you in a prayer a very simple prayer you don't even have to repeat it after me I just want you to pray it with your heart and your mouth but here's what we're saying we're saying God we bring you the shiny of our life. Lord, we bring you the things that we've been enamored with and distracted with that are not the right building materials for our life. And Lord, we say we're willing to let those go. God, we're going to be honest enough with you to say we're probably ready to let some of them go today. And there's some other ones that we're really wanting to hold on to. We want to open ourselves up to you and just say, would you help us today? We need your help. We want to let go of the shiny and we want to receive the weighty. Lord, we want our lives to pass through the fire. Lord, we're sobered by the fact that you said everyone's life, everyone's life will be tested by fire. We're not afraid of that because you know we're, we know you're with us. But Lord, we want our life to be constructed out of things that can pass through a fire. So Lord, we want to do an exchange today. Would you take the shiny and would you give us the weighty? Lord, would you give us the resources we need to build with the right materials? Lord, I ask you right now by your spirit to fill in the blanks. Lord, each person's in a different place. Just give revelation, give illumination. How are you speaking to us? Lord, maybe there's some people under the sound of my voice today who don't even have a relationship with Jesus and they need to make Jesus the foundation of their life. Lord, I pray that you would woo them by your spirit right now. I pray that they would come and pray with one of our prayer team. Just say, I need to do that today. I'm going to build on the right foundation we trust you with it all today Jesus and we thank you for your goodness thank you that you are always committed to reconstructing our lives and we know you're faithful to do it in Jesus name we pray here's what we're gonna do We've been in in our service this way. I love it. There's such a presence here. If you want to stay and worship, if you want someone to pray with you, these altars are open. You can stay. Our worship team's going to continue to worship. If you need to go, you need to check your kids out. We bless you today. We'll see you next week. It's going to be a great week. Don't forget about Galentine's on Friday. All the good stuff with GSM. Be blessed. You can stay in worship as long as you want this morning. Hello, Gate Church family. My name is Eva, and I'm on the pastoral team here at the Gate Church, and we just want to thank you for joining us this morning. You know, Pastor Jay mentioned just a lot of key things that is so applicable to each of us, no matter if you're a brand new believer in Christ or if you've been walking with him for a long time. You know, he wants us to relinquish the shiny things so that our lives can be weighty, so we can be more like him because we're his children and he loves us. And, you know, if you... Uh, maybe stumbled on this uh, broadcast that's happening. No, it wasn't by mistake. You know, Pastor Jay gave a call that if you don't know Christ, whatever it is that you have need of in your life, we have people ready to pray for you. If you say, you know what, I want to dedicate my life to Christ. I want him to be the foundation of my life. Maybe this would be your first time praying this, or maybe, you know, you've just felt like you've slipped away from God and you don't really, there just seems to be such a gap. 
trust me when I say this, that He desires to have a relationship with you. And so there's going to be people here ready to pray with you. So go ahead and comment below um, if we could be praying for you this morning. We're believing God with you with whatever you have need of. Another thing too, guys, you know, we believe that life is lived out in community and technology is such a gift and we want to make sure that you're a part of an online connect group if you're not already. So we have a connect group that meets online. You know, there's people that literally watch us from all over that they, that is their church family, that is their tribe. And so we want to make sure that you're a part of that. So there's going to be a link in the comments below as well if you'd like to be a part of our online connect group make sure that you click on that and i'm just going to pray real quick before i release you guys so father thank you god for everybody watching today lord i know that you have a purpose you have a calling you have intention for each and every person that's here today that's been joining with us god we thank you for touching them in their homes god wherever they are holy spirit we thank you for your invitation to them and god we just speak a blessing over their week lord god i pray Lord, by your grace and by your love, that you would just illuminate the areas of their lives, God, that may be shiny, God, that, that you desire to be the foundation of that, Lord God. So, Lord, we trust you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys have a great week. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next Sunday.